You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. And so I said, what? I'm going to have zero overhead. I'm going to do all the work myself initially. I'm going to not have an office. I'm going to do, if I'm going to spend a dollar, I got to like prove it to myself why I need to spend that dollar. And I'm just going to go out and hustle. And so that's how I started with no rentals. Just went out and started putting up bandit signs myself. My wife would drive me around. We put up bandit signs. This in 2016. And I looked at a spreadsheet. So I got my first deal through a bandit sign. The We Love Equity Show is brought to you by Azria, widely recognized as an outstanding resource for real estate investors with exceptional education, networking, and support, along with profit-enhancing benefits and all aspects of real estate investing. Visit Azria at www.azria.org. That's visit Azria at www.azria.org. Hey guys, it's Marcus Maloney, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. And on today's show, I have Kirby Atwell. Kirby is a military veteran of the branches of the Army, and he is a fix and flipper and short-term rental expert in the Chicagoland market. When I speak of Chicagoland, I'm also encompassing Northwest Indiana, because if you're from the area, it's all one big suburbs of the city of Chicago, but no offense to my Indiana people, you know, that like to remain separate from Illinois. But Kirby has been a real estate investor for a number of years. He's doing some great things. He put, he transitioned from fixing and flipping to short-term rentals. So we'll dive into that. So right now we want to welcome Kirby Atwell to the show. How you doing, Kirby? Great, man. It is uh, great to be here, Marcus. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Great, great, man. Thank you so much. And Kirby also has a podcast. I'll let him tell you all about that towards the end. He just had me on his show as well. So we are reciprocating uh, opportunities here. So Kirby, introduce us because maybe I didn't get into the full scope of who you are and your background, but tell us a little bit about you. Tell us about your background, you being a military vet and everything like that. Share with the audience who Kirby Atwell actually is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, thanks for having me here. It's an honor to be on your show. I love your show. So as we talked about it, when you came on the show a couple of weeks ago, we actually grew up not too far from each other. So I was in the yeah. south suburbs of Chicago. You know, you're a little bit further south than that. But when I was growing up, I was blessed with two great parents and kind of took different things from each one. And my mom was the entrepreneur of our family. You know, she always had an insurance business and since I was real little. And I kind of had the experience of, of getting to see her run that business and have the flexibility of being an entrepreneur and kind of eating what she killed. And that just really appealed to me. And then on the other side, my dad, you know, he was a military veteran as well. And also going back into my family, all the males pretty much in the family had all served in the military. So I got the experience of both of those influences growing up. So I was really drawn to both. And so I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur eventually, but I also wanted to serve in the military. So I went to, to high school in, in Illinois and my dad told me, you know what, if you want to be in the military, you should try to become an officer because they have it easy. They don't do anything. They're just going <laughs> to sit around and tell everyone what to do. And so of course, every enlisted guy's impression of officers, that's what they, they tell you. So, so I, I found out about West Point and applied, somehow got in the back door through football. Um, I wow. played football in high school and my grades were definitely not good enough to get into West Point. But <laughs> yeah, the football coach liked me, sent me to prep school for a year to play and then got in through the back door that way. Graduated four years later and then I got commissioned as an officer in the army. And, and that's really kind of where I first started learning about real estate. I got down to El Paso, Texas to my first station. This was 2005 when, you know, the real estate market is just blowing up. 
I got a hold of rich dad, poor dad, read the book and I got kind of the bug, you know, yep, and that's yep. kind of where it all started. Okay. So you were down in El Paso. First of all, thank you for your service. And I mean that genuinely wholehearted. My grandfather was a Navy veteran. My other grandfather was military veteran, also army. So same similar background. And my mom was an entrepreneur, just like yours. So we come, we're cut from the same cloth, Kirby. Yeah, <laughs> Honestly. yeah exactly. Yeah. So tell me, once you once you got down to El Paso and you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and you said the bug hits you, kind of what was next after that? Yeah. So I read the book and I literally, like I was, I bought a house when I first got down there with two buddies from West Point. I mean, the three of us just split the cost of this house. It was in my buddy's name, but three of us bought it together and not knowing anything about real estate. But once I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the next week I saw a house pop up across the street. And the market was kind of had similar characteristics to today's market, where as soon as a house hits the market, it's gone. So as soon mm -hmm. as I saw the sign in the yard, I went next door. I didn't even know how realtors worked and all that. I just went next door, knocked on the door, said, hey, I see there's a sign in your yard. You want to sell your house? I'd like to buy it. And they're like, well, we haven't even priced it yet. And I said, well, just tell me what the price is and I'll, I'll buy it. A very affordable market. The price was 101000 it ended up just being a, a very steady, stable, turnkey cash flowing property. Great one to cut my teeth on. And so I, I started with that one, bought another one in El Paso and just started diving into learning. And I knew at that point when I got out of the military, I had a five-year commitment, ended up staying in for six. But when I got out of the military, I was going to do this full time. This was okay. what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And so I fast forward to 2011, I got out of the military and that's when I really started into real estate full time. Okay. So let's kind of go back to El Paso. So when you got that first property, you said it was you and two of your buddies. How did you guys do the financing? Was it just traditional bank financing? What did the financing look like on that? Yeah. So, so the first property that I bought with two friends, it was the one we were living in. So we just, one of my buddies got a traditional mortgage and then we just said the, the other two are basically joint venturing on it. You okay. know, we're going to be a 33% owner of the property, not really knowing what we're doing. Yeah. The, <laughs> okay. The, you know, so the second one, that I bought across the street that I own personally, I just got traditional financing. And that was kind of the beauty of being in the military and having a W-2 stable, yep. you know, W-2 job is I could just, you know, use that to get the traditional financing at the time. So that's how I bought my first few while I was in. But that was also the reason why when I got out, I transitioned and started doing flips pretty much full time because W-2 just went away and I didn't know of another option to buy rentals. Gotcha. And that's what a lot of people fail to realize is, you know, everybody want to go into real estate full time, but sometimes having that W-2 income, it makes that financing a little bit easier. You know, you don't have to Man. always go through hard money and stuff like that. So I'm surprised. Did you guys use your VA loan or VA benefits at all on those first two properties? Not on the first two. The advice that I had was that these were such cheap properties to save it. It wasn't probably the best advice because you can reuse it, but I actually didn't even use my VA loan until I bought my own personal home 2016. So it was, I, really? I should have been utilizing it earlier. It was, it's a great resource. Yeah. So just so you guys know, and that's aware, you military veterans, and I don't want to uh, act like I'm this great finance expert or anything like that, but you got to utilize that VA loan because it's so many incentives and so many benefits for you being active military, or if you're a veteran to where you, you can come to the table with absolutely nothing to get into a property. So if you're, you're a military veteran, or if you're active, you might want to look into that. And like Kirby said, he was misinformed. He thought he could only use it once, but you can use it multiple times. If I'm not mistaken, you can't have two properties at one time, but you can use it over and over and over again. So yeah. And you can, one thing I just want to caveat on that, sure. you can get super creative with it. So the VA loan, like you said, it's hundred percent financing, but you can buy up to a four unit or you can do like what my wife and I are doing right now. We, we just bought a 10 acre house with uh, a conventional loan, a 10 acre property with a house on it. Then we bought the 35 acres next door for cash. And now we're refinancing both properties into a VA loan. And they're going to give us 90% of the appraised value of both properties. So we'll wow. have 45 acres that we can turn into a land hack, you know, where we can rent 
houses on and, and build it out. And it's all financed through a VA loan just because there's one house, you know, 1800 square foot house on this portion of the 45 acres. So wow. you can get super creative with it. Now you're in, tell me what city you're in again in Northwest Indiana. In uh, Valparaiso. Valparaiso. Okay. Yep. So Valparaiso, Hobart, Maryville, all of those kind of, Sherville, all of those kind of areas. See, I know. Although yeah, I'm yeah. an Illinois boy, I know Northwest Indiana also. Blowing up pretty pretty quickly over here. It is. It is. My brother used to live right next to Sherville. He was at in Salt Village. And then I had family in Gary and Maryville, stuff like that. So not to sidetrack, let's get yeah. back on track. <laughs> so- when you bought these two houses, let's talk about this JV deal on this first one, because I don't know what you guys are doing. So <laughs> your buddy, he got the traditional mortgage and then you guys just drew up some agreement and said, we're 33% owners, right? Exactly. Yeah. But he had all of the risk because he had 100% of the mortgage in his name, correct? Exactly. And, and he also couldn't get financing for the next one is easily because, you know, I, I was still a first time buyer, even though I owned 33% of the house I was living in. So. Um, wow. How did you yeah. guys convince him to do that? Or you guys just <laughs> didn't know. And it was just like, let's do this. That's it. We were just out of college and he was like, oh, he was the first one down there in El Paso. He, he beat us down there by a couple of weeks. So he started looking for a house and said, Hey, I, I found this one. It looks good. I'll buy it. And you guys can move in and own a third of it and pay a third of it. And so that was just how it, how it all came together, but it's become a little more sophisticated. The agreements I do <laughs> these <Yeah>. days. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, Kirby, we got to watch out for Kirby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So you guys were doing that one. Were you guys paying like a third of the mortgage on it or he yeah. had all of the mortgage responsibility? Okay. All yeah, right. exactly. And, and it, we only had that one for a year. So we lived there from 2005 to 2006. And when we sold it, three bachelors had lived there for th for a year and, you know, treated it like three bachelors treat a house. Yeah. You know, it was not, not as kind as I treat houses these days, but we listed it and it was worth, I think it was 40 or thousand dollars, somewhere around there more than the year before when we bought it in much better condition. So we sold it cause we were all kind of going different ways at that point. Okay. And, and so we just kind of split the profits from there. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then did you roll those profits into the house across the street or so I, yeah, so I bought that house across the street before we sold it. And then I bought another house. As soon as we sold that property, I used those profits to buy a second rent. It was a second house that I moved into that turned into a rental once I got stationed, I got stationed in Hawaii right after that. So, okay. Okay. So how did you, because I hear this quite a bit where you buy a house, especially military, you buy a house and then you get deployed somewhere else. How did you do the rental? How did you set all of that up for other active enlisted military individuals. How did you structure that? Because I know some people go through that quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. It actually, and it was just a trial by fire, really. I mean, the first I was leaving, I was getting stationed in Hawaii and I had to get a property manager. I knew I wanted to keep them. So I hired the chief, I called 10 property managers hired the cheapest one that okay. I could find, you know, cause I thought it would save me money. Learned the hard way that that means that they're probably not going to do anything. And she didn't. And so I fired her and I hired uh, a former first sergeant who had been stationed in El Paso, retired there, set up a property management company. His name was Roscoe Jennings and uh, just a great guy. And they ran it really well. And so I just okay. held on to it. And that was probably the only remote property manager that I've had really good success with because there's a lot of bad property managers out there, yeah. but he was just on it. His company had really great systems and, and that's how I was able to hold on okay. to it. Okay. So what was next? You were in Hawaii. You got this property in El Paso. Let's kind of fast forward a little bit. Yeah. So you, you got these two deals under your belt. How did you end up coming back to Chicago and then doing flipping? Yeah. So I, I bought another one in Hawaii, another rental, because it was 2008, 2009 at the time. Market had already crashed. So I picked up just, I got super lucky on a condo that, you know, the banks were practically giving away at the time. Bought that, held on to it, got stationed in Japan after that. So once I left again, found a good property manager that was not as thorough as El Paso, but they were decent. And then when I got out in 2011, again, I didn't know that I could get financing or wasn't 
just didn't have the experience. And so mm-hmm. I had a friend that I grew up with in, in Chicago area. He was kind of getting into real estate at the same time. And we said, let's just partner. Well, and also his wife, he, he had been married. So the three of us partnered and split a company three different ways. And we just started flipping and we flipped from 2011 to 2016. And we started with a very affordable property. And then we started doing multiple properties at the same time. Then we started hiring people. We got an office. So let's, let's slow down. Let's slow down, Kirby. Let's slow down. So (laughs) back in Chicago, you and your buddy and his wife, you guys form, formed a a company, just a regular LLC structure. Yep. Which, okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. And it's something I I don't recommend is probably the best way to get started. I, I like to tell people form your own LLC and then joint venture with partners because, you know, with the structure we had, we just had 33% equity ownership in a company. Nobody had controlling rights. So it was like a marriage where nobody's able to make decisions. So every decision, you kind of have to have a a committee meeting. Right. We're great friends. We still are. So I think it worked out better than a lot of cases, but these are all the, the horror stories you hear about with partnerships because it's just a very difficult situation to get in. So, so we formed this LLC and just bought our first property and just kind of figured it out as we went. This is back in 2011. So that, that property that you found, was it off market? Was it on market? Kind of let us know how you found that property. Yeah, this, this property is in Tinley Park and okay. it was on market and it was listed for 250 at the time. This is 2011. So it's a split level in a nice neighborhood in Tinley Park, listed for 250. A lady lived there who had inherited the property and it was just in rough shape. So we put in an offer at, so it's yeah, no, it was listed at one. I don't know if I said 250 or 150. It was listed at 150. We put okay. an offer at 120 and uh, they just accepted. They, they tried to counter. They came back to the counter and then they called and said, never mind, we're not going to counter. We just want it sold. This is <laughs> okay, the environment sure. that we were in at the time. I mean, it's hard to even imagine today. So we got it for 120 and we flipped it and it turned out um, to be a great property. We put like, I think it was about 40 to 45,000 into it, ended up selling it for like 220 or 230 and it ended up being, it went well. So that's okay. when we got the bug kind of to do flips and started doing multiple from there. So your financing on that one, was that again, just traditional bank financing? It was private money. Okay. Yep. Private so, money, private money. Yeah. Let's kind of touch on that because some people may not understand what private money is. So it's yeah. private money, money, Kirby. Yeah, it's a good question. So it's basically just friends and family money is what I started with. It, private money can be anyone that just has money sitting in a bank account or sitting in a retirement fund that they want to lend either at a fixed interest rate or for an equity position in the, the property. So they own a percentage okay. of, of the investment. So what I did when I first got out of the military, I knew I wanted to invest in these properties. So I went out and found one that I thought made sense. And I drew up a, a business plan around this property. It was like a two page. This is what I'm going to buy it for. This is how much I'm going to put into it. This is what the profit should be. And ended up not getting that property. But I shared that business plan with some of my good friends and family that I thought might be interested in making double digit return on their money. And so I said, this is the concept. I didn't get this property, but I'm going to go out and right. do this exact same thing on a different property. So if you're interested, let me know how much you want to invest. And I'll put it to work as soon as I find a good property. And so that's initially how I lined up the first private money to do these deals. And at that time, I, I don't do this anymore. I said, we'll do a 50-50 split on Ouch, the deal. That's, that's so, a good return. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unbeknownst to me, it's a great yep. return. So I thought it's great though. I mean, I have no money in it and they, they put up all the money. I do all the work and they get 50% of the profit. And it ended up being the annualized return that they got from that deal because it was a quick turnover deal was fantastic. So they were all in to do more, more deals. Over time, that evolved into a fixed interest rate, starting at like 12%, then it came down to 10 and 8%. So over time, rates just came down and your came experience down. level goes up. So so the, the amount of interest that you can, the interest rates get better, the more your experience right. gets better. So, so that's how I did that one. So guys, what, what Kirby is basically saying is, he went out there and he told his family and friends exactly what he was doing. He said, look, I'm, I'm getting out of the military and I want to flip houses. 
do you have any money? Here's here's the business concept. Here's the here's the business plan. Here's the blueprint. This is what I'm looking to do. And the reason why quite a few of you guys are not getting out there doing anything is because you're saying what you don't have. I don't have the money. I don't have this. I don't have that. But guess what? It's people around you that you may not even know that have that. I'll explain one of my deals. I didn't have the money. The attorney that I was working with, we were closing multiple deals and he was like, hey, I want to get in on the next one. So that just rolled into a private private money partnership. So guys, you got to get out there. You got to let people know what you're doing. Stop having your secret identity of being a real estate investor. Get out there and let everybody know what you're doing. Okay. Absolutely. Kirby, just wanted to make that sidebar right there, man. So you guys are doing these flips. You're getting them going and everything like that. Tell us about um, one of your flips, man, that that didn't go so well and how you handled that. <laughs> yeah. So, it, so it, there, there's a, sort of a progression with flipping, I would say, from what I've noticed. So, okay. so that first one in Tinley Park, very affordable neighborhood, middle income area, just a solid flipping area, just great for flips. We did that one and we got into multiple kind of around the same area, realized this is great. We can do multiple. We started hiring some people. We realized our overhead's going up. So if we can get these same margins in a higher end area, then it's just a lot more money. So yep. we progressed into higher and higher end properties. Eventually we're on the North shore of Chicago doing pro projects in Winnetka and Wilmette and some of these areas that the price points are much, much higher. Mm -hmm. And we're also doing a lot more projects and so that's when the trouble started because what we didn't realize is that the finishes and the expectations for a buyer who buys that $220,000 flip, that's their dream home, but their, their expectations are not nearly the same as somebody who's buying a $1.5 million yep. flip. And the punch list after the inspection that comes back, usually there's a few things you got to fix. A punch list on a $1.5 million house comes back and there may be $50,000 easy yep, of things the, yeah. after you've already negotiated the price and done this massive transformation on this property. And every day, the cost of your financing is hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So it is so easy to get in over your head. And I've seen it happen and play out with so many friends who are flippers in the mm -hmm. exact same way. They just, it, they build this machine that has to feed on more and more deals. So they get into these bigger deals. So I guess one trying to think of the deal that would be, there's a few that had some challenges. So, yeah, well, let's, so I mean, you, you, you're talking about good challenges that people need to hear because mm -hmm. that's what we all look at is, okay, we did this flip. We did. Now we got about eight or nine of them up under our belt. We're feeling like Superman. We feel like we cannot lose. Right. Let's start moving out of our comfort zone, which is good to challenge yourself, but you got to understand the expectations also. Exactly. Exactly. And so like one, one good lesson, I would say that I think we can point out on one property. It was a, a deal that we did in Highland Park. It was a contractor who we had used for the previous three deals. And we got to the fourth one with him, much bigger deal, gut rehab. It wasn't like the just surface level stuff mm -hmm. that he was doing previously. And he underbids it, underestimates how long it would take. And he's also driving up from the South suburbs and underestimates the cost of that and bringing his guys up there. So he gets halfway through it and realizes like we're, we're having challenges. He's like, you know, asking for more money. He's going yep. slow. So we sit down with him, renegotiate on the price. He comes back and says, okay, yeah, I can do it for that. You know, drywall is next. I need to pay the drywallers. So we pay him a payment then halfway through when we're having these challenges so that he could get it done. We show up the next day, all his tools are gone. He takes that payment, he's gone. Oh, um, wow. And we start to find out some of the work he had already done was kind of shoddy. And then all these subs started coming out of the woodwork saying, Hey, they didn't get paid. I did the flooring for you. <laughs> I did this. He's gone. I can't get a hold of him. It's your property. You owe me, even though you already paid him for these things. So that was a super painful lesson to learn. And it was because each project, he got a little bit further behind. And so a lot of times you're not going to have problems on the first project, but once they're doing multiple, they're robbing Peter to pay Paul mm -hmm. and you know, you, they just get in over their head and it's, it, it can be a nightmare. Well, that's a, that's, that's a good thing to let the listeners know, because again, 
everybody wants to expand and they want to build this big machine, but they have to understand the challenges that go with it. So Kirby, mm -hmm. let's take a brief break. Let's hear a word from our sponsors. When we come back, let's talk about your pivot from flipping, why you exited flipping into your new challenge. So let's take a brief break. Hear a word from our sponsors. Finding real estate deals can be a challenge, but with the Batch Leads, it doesn't have to be. Batch Leads has created a one-stop solution for all your real estate needs. So you can find more sellers, close more deals, and maximize revenue. Batch Leads offers a comprehensive suite of lead-generating tools that cover text messaging, skip tracing, finding comps, and much more. Batch Leads help you simplify, manage, and organize all your data in one place. Batch will help you stack your lists and identify properties that appear on multiple lists and have multiple distress indicators. These sellers are likely to be highly motivated and eager to sell. Get the most powerful and complete lead generation platform in the industry. Locate sellers, buyers, and lenders nationwide in seconds. Go to batchlead.io and use promo code WELOVEEQUITY. Okay, we love Equity Family. We are here with Kirby, and Kirby is from the Northwest Indiana, Chicagoland market, and we're talking about fixing and flipping, some of the challenges, some of the pros, some of the cons, and then Kirby had to do a pivot midstream through his real estate investing career. So Kirby, you were doing these flips. You had everything going. Why did you stop flipping and then pivot? Yeah, it's a good question. It, it's funny because that's that's what people were telling us too. They're like, man, you guys are super successful. You've got all these properties going. We had 22 deals going at the same time at our peak, some under contract to buy, some under rehab, uh -huh. some on the back end. We had about $12 million invested in the different projects and we're being invited to speak and stuff. And I look up and I'm looking at the spreadsheets and I'm thinking, this is crazy. Like people are telling us how successful we are but I'm struggling to pay my bills at the end of the month. Yep. We, we are literally a multi-million dollar business in revenue with our sold properties, but our overhead was insane. We had tens of thousands of dollars going out in marketing. We had a staff of 13 people that we had to pay every month. We had the office, we had just the overhead was insane. And all that has to be paid before the owners get to, pay, yep. get to be paid $1. So Every month it was like, well, we need to do more deals to make Keep more up. money. And yeah, and, and mm -hmm. that added more overhead. So I realized I'm on this perpetual cycle that I will be on until I'm 100 years old if I continue this process. And I am no better off financially when it comes to my balance sheet and my personal net, net worth than I was the day I started five years ago. I've spent five years hustling to not accumulate anything. So I thought back to when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and what attracted me to that. And it was this idea of building wealth and having assets that pay you. And I hadn't done any of that. And so I said, I've got to get back to, to the roots of why I started this. It's financial freedom. It's not looking successful. I don't care how I look. What I care about is if my family's taken care of and I've got assets and, and building wealth. And so I left that or that company and my partners and I agreed on, on an exit plan. And I started Green Bed Homes, which was totally focused around buying, rehabbing, and renting properties, primarily to homeless vets in the south suburbs of Chicago through this voucher program called VASH, where it's similar to Section 8, where the VA gives a homeless veteran a voucher and they can select a property to live in. And so I, wow. I really targeted those, those vouchers. Okay. So that's something that we have to look at is because we can become so busy to where we forget what our purpose is and what we had designed to do. Because, you know, yes, fixing and flipping, it's, it's sexy, you know, it's, it's all of the movement, you know, you're going here, going there, doing this, doing that. And it seems sexy, you know, and people are inviting you to come out and speak. And it's like, wow, you know what? I'm super successful. But at the end of the day, like you said, when I do an evaluation and I look back, what am I really doing? And, that's what you had to sit down and you had to look at. And because of that, you say, you know what, let me go back to the reason why I decided to do this. And it was the passive income and to help people. So guys, just to let you know, yes, you can make a lot of money fixing and flipping, but at the end of the day, what most real estate investors want is to sit at home or to be with their families and still have income coming in. And that's, that's the whole purpose behind 
everything that we do financially. That's the financial purpose behind everything that we do. But we can be out here and we can be busy. We can be flipping houses. We can be wholesaling. We could be doing tons of stuff. But at the end of the day, like you said, Kirby, you built this big machine, but you wasn't making any money. It right. looked like he was, but but in actuality, it wasn't. And I had to step back recently and take a look at my business process and my systems also to, to remind me, hey, what are you doing this for? And it's mm -hmm. for the kids' college fund. It's for you know retirement and things like that. So, man, kudos to you for at least sitting down and making that pivot because that, that's kind of hard, you know, because mm -hmm. you say, wow, you know what? People are inviting me out to speak. I look like I'm super successful. You could have continued on that track, but you know that that track was a dead end. Yeah. Yeah. And you can kind of notice it by looking at people like how many people do you know that have accumulated a true amount of wealth just from flipping? And it's tough for me to name any. I, I know a lot of them that can transition into education and they make money there or some other form. But flipping, it's a good job. It pays yep. you. It puts, you know, it can pay your bills, but it's hard to accumulate wealth that way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like you said, it's a good job with a lot of responsibility mm -hmm. where you may not get paid. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. No yeah. one's there on the 1st and 15th to pay you. Right, right. So tell us about tell us about your new venture. So you were doing this with, with the homeless vets. How did that start? And where are you now? Yeah, it started. I got real intentional when I transitioned and realized I don't want the overhead. I don't want all the, the trappings we thought we needed. We we're just paying attention to too many gurus and, and doing things that we thought looked like success mm -hmm. and had absolutely nothing to do with real, real numbers, real KPIs. It was like just all the vanity stuff. And so I said, what? I'm going to have zero overhead. I'm going to do all the work myself initially. I'm going to not have an office. I'm going to do, if I'm going to spend a dollar, I got to like prove it to myself why I need to spend that dollar. And I'm just going to go out and hustle. And so that's how I started with no rentals, just went out and started putting up bandit signs myself. My wife would drive me around. We put up bandit signs. This in 2016. And I looked at a spreadsheet so I got my first deal through a bandit sign. And so you went, went back, you went grassroots, man. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not many people can do that, especially when you make it to the mountaintop and <laughs> people are looking at you and they're like, man, look how successful Kirby is. And if you're not humble, man, and you're not submitted, you can't go back, yeah. you know, to the valley and start all over again and say, Hey, I'm putting out bandit signs because yeah. you could be like, dude, what are you doing? You're putting out bandit signs. You can easily go back to flipping houses, but mm -hmm. you, you are out there with a purpose now. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, I'm not going to buy a deal unless it is a slam dunk. And so putting up signs on Friday nights and got an off-market deal that was a slam dunk. It was in Hazelcrest and started looking into rental options and realized this VASH program paid what Section 8 paid. And I could support homeless veterans. We had a rapport with so the tenant and I could manage them myself and kind of mitigate some of the risks that would come along with putting a homeless vet in a, in a property. And I saw the numbers and I was like, I just bought this house for $26,000. It's almost turnkey and it's renting for, I think it was $1,450 is what it started at. Cause I was like, yeah. I felt bad asking more than that, even though the payment standard was higher. And it just started cash flowing like crazy. And it had a massive amount of equity in it. And I did a spreadsheet and I was like, okay, if I can accumulate $40,000 of equity and at least 500 in cash flow, which this was actually more than that every month and do this 24 times once a month for the next two years, I'll be a million, I'll have a million dollars net worth and $12,000 of income for the rest of my life, just from working for two, two years. And so I just put my head down and that's, that's what I did. And so I got 16 single family homes. And then I came across an 11 unit apartment and bought that. And it, it was about the two year time frame that I got these and realized that I kind of hit the goal that I had set out yeah. towards, even though it wasn't like every day, I was like, this is the goal, but I just put my head down and started working toward that. And the thing is, it's, it's not sexy. It's not attractive. You know, there's not a lot of hustle and bustle, a lot of movement, but you were gaining that net worth. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, I'm pretty sure you could talk to any flipper. They would love to purchase a property for 26 grand and make 1400, 1500 bucks a month yeah. on it. Yeah. It's, exactly. it's a no brainer and you still own the asset. So not only are you 
gaining the rental income, but you're buying down that $26,000 mortgage, which is nothing. And you're gaining appreciation along the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was super satisfying too. A lot of the vets that moved in said, this is by far the nicest place I've ever lived in, you know? And so it was, it was really cool to, to be able to provide that at the same time. So now were you managing these yourself? Yeah. Yep. Okay. I decided just to do limit the overhead. Yeah, huh? exactly. <laughs> do it all myself. You know, in a transition, eventually I transitioned into to hiring a property manager, but the first, I think 12 I, I did, I, I had, I, I just did it all myself. Gotcha. Keeping it simple, guys. That's, That's right. all Kirby did was went back to the roots and, and kept it simple and said, I'm not going to look at the glitz and glamour. I'm not going to look at the sexiness of all the movement. I know what I want to do. I'm driven behind it. It's my purpose. So this is exactly what I want to do. So Kirby, tell me, you were doing all of this. You were helping these homeless vets. Where were you finding your tenants? Where were you finding the homeless vets? And how did you structure that? How did you put everything in place? Yeah, great question. So what I always recommend to people is whatever strategy you land on, build a business around that strategy. Don't like dabble in tons of different strategies and think that you're going to be able to you know, get successful on all of them. So when I found out about this VASH program, I was like, this is what I want to do. I'm going to build green vet homes around this. So I went into the VASH office, which is in at the Heinz VA, which is uh, a huge VA facility in, yeah. in Chicago. And that's where the, the vouchers are administered. And so there's a team of, of social workers that administer these vouchers. I sat down with the lady that runs it. And I, I said, tell me everything about this program. I'm going to provide housing to your homeless vets. It's going to be the nicest housing in this program. And I need to know how many vouchers there are. I need to know what the payment standards are. I need to know what the turnover rate is. I need to know everything there is to know about it. And so she, and she was super happy. She's like, landlords don't do this. Uh, right. Landlords do the minimum standard and try to get somebody in there that they can just like collect. So I took that information and, and realized in three different communities, Country Club Hills, Hazelcrest, and South Holland, the payment standards worked really well. It mirrored the Section 8 payment standards. I could get really affordable houses that needed to be rehabbed there, build a bunch of equity into it. And, and along the way, I could still do flips here and there to pay my bills. So that's that's how I did it. And so every time I'd get one under contract to rehab, I'd immediately email the, the woman who run the program. And I would say, Hey, I got this property. It's going to be available in the next six weeks or eight weeks. If you have a tenant that needs a three bedroom, let me know. And so over that time period, different people would come out and look at it. I'd meet with them. And, and as soon as it was done, usually I'd have somebody ready to, to move in and, and start that process on. So now if somebody's looking to do this, Kirby, what's the qualification process? Because I know when you're working with state and government entities and providing housing, there's some qualifications and some metrics that you need to meet in order to be qualified to do this. Yeah, it's pretty light for this program. So there's an inspection of your property and that's how they make sure that the, the properties themselves are safe, but it's pretty much just a safety inspection. It's a similar inspection to the section eight inspections, except it's actually much better in this program because they recognize that the veterans are homeless. So they need to get into a house immediately. Right. So whereas where you'd have a long wait time to get that inspection done, and then you'd start the first of the following month with the move-in. So you could lose two months easily getting your place rented out. This, they do a pre-inspection a lot of times for the veteran. And so the VA sends somebody out, does a pre-inspection, makes make sure everything's safe, and then they can move in that day. So I wasn't losing a bunch of time after I'd complete the rehab. I'd line up the inspection, the pre-inspection that next day and get them in there right away. Okay, man. Sounds like a great program. Sounds like you guys are doing something not only for yourselves, but for your colleagues and your veterans. So great job for that. It's a great business plan. How did you even think of that? It's funny. I, I was speaking on a panel with my previous business. I was invited to a Rio to speak on this panel and I was talking to a guy who owned thousands of doors in Chicago who was on the panel and, uh, and he, I was asking him how it's going and stuff. And he said, you know, it's funny. I, I know you're a veteran. Some of my best tenants are veterans through this VASH program. And he said, I, I've had the best experience with them. And so I, I looked into it and that's kind of what started it. 
Perfect, perfect, perfect. Power relationships and networking. Right. You know, you found out about the program through a relationship and then you said, okay, well, let me go down to the office and meet the person that's running the program, built that relationship. So guys, you got to get out there. You got to turn over some stones. You got to hit the streets and build relationships with people. So Kirby, now you're doing, if I'm not mistaken, you're doing some short-term rentals, mm -hmm. correct? Yep, yep. So it's been a, a, another transition. Uh, so in 2019, my wife and I decided to move to Northwest Indiana and I was still managing my properties in Illinois. I wanted to do the program in Northwest Indiana, but the payment standards just don't make any sense here. And the demand just isn't nearly as high as Chicago. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to make the VASH model work here. So I started exploring alternate investments that had the same type of returns because I'm just not really interested in buying just a run of the mill like 1% type turnkey deal. Right, turnkey you know? rental. Yeah, it just takes too many of those to build real wealth for me. I, I know everyone's different and I was doing this full time. So I need to find something that the returns are much greater. And so we actually bought a house near Lake Michigan and we decided to convert our basement into a separate apartment and start renting it on Airbnb because I'd heard a lot of great positive things about it. And it just was incredible. I mean, we I was blown away that the first summer and, and we weren't, we didn't optimize anything. We didn't know the stuff I know now on pricing and all that, but it paid for a third to a half of our mortgage just in the three months we were renting. And I was like, this is, if we can scale, this makes a lot of sense. And so I started buying single families in Michigan city. And so I, I shifted my focus from the, the Illinois properties. I started selling off those because they had accumulated quite a bit of equity and primarily focusing on the short-term rentals. I still donate a portion to, to veterans because I still want to have the cause behind mm -hmm. doing these deals that I'm, that I'm passionate about, but it's, it's been super rewarding buying, rehabbing and renting properties on Airbnb and providing a great experience for guests. And, and the tax base in, in Indiana is a lot cheaper than, yeah. than Illinois. You know, some properties in Illinois in the South suburbs, you could be paying close to 20 grand in taxes Mm -hmm. No, a year. Yes, guys, you heard me say yeah. 20 grand in taxes per year. So, okay, man, that was, that's excellent. So you, you guys switched over to short-term rentals. How long did it take for that to that, for that pivot to take place? Because I know me, I'm sort of a slow semi-turn guy. Like I have to look at it and, and see, and look at the numbers. Was it just a quick pivot? Hey, you know what? We can get the same returns as we're doing in Illinois. Let's do it here. Yeah, I'm with you, Marcus. I got to analyze stuff, you know, for a while and make sure it's it makes sense. I still will, will go out and do a deal just to see, does this work? If it's something mm -hmm. I'm thinking about in order to change my business, it took probably a year and a half to two years. Cause I didn't know this was the direction I wanted to go either. I knew I didn't want to drive back to Illinois every day to manage my properties. I knew it was tough. My, uh, again, a property management was really tough to make work outsourced. They were much more effective when I was doing it myself. And I wanted to just focus on this cross section of having really high cash flowing, really high profitable properties, the least amount I could own, you know, with mm -hmm. the highest returns and easy to manage. And so I looked at multifamily for a while. I almost bought a couple of large multifamily projects, realized that's just not my thing. And I just, I finally landed on, on short-term rentals and I, I love it. And so it took me about two years. I started, obviously we started with our, our personal house, but then bought the first short-term rental separate house at the beginning of 2020, actually. So, so since that time, we've got nine listings now. So we've got two that are two units and then another five single family homes. So what is the, the draw? Because, and I, and I asked you this off record, so I do know the answer, but for the, for the listeners, I want them to understand what is the draw for, for your, for your, rentals, your short-term rentals, because mm -hmm. I know most short-term rentals there in, you know, highly populated areas where people want to go on vacation and things like that. What was your draw? This is one of the biggest questions people have because most people think it won't work near them. In most cases, it, it will work well in your area. So for my area, it, I think 
it especially works well for Michigan City, which is where I've been buying. But I mean, there's a, this cross section of you got the beach right there, a, a big beach on Lake Michigan. You've got a casino that's it's a nicer casino. You've got the outlet malls. You've got wineries. You've got lots of restaurants and stuff. So there's just a okay. A good cross section of a lot of different things in this area, and it's very affordable. Like I'm buying houses that are similar price to what I was buying in Illinois, rehabbing them for a similar amount, and then these properties in the summer will rent for five thousand dollars gross income per month. In the winter, it's fifteen hundred to two thousand, so it's break even in the winter. But in the summer, you really, really make all your returns. Wow, wow, it's a good business plan, man. Good strategy, good strategy. So Kirby. Right now, we are going to put you on the hot seat, man. We're going to put Kirby on the hot seat. Kirby, do me a favor, man, and answer these questions for me as quickly as possible. But if, but if you if you need to elaborate, good content is always rewarded. So starting over, what would you do differently? Everyone that I know that's super successful in real estate, almost everyone has just focused on buying really great assets over a long period of time and just kept their head down. And so I, I would have got out and started buying just great solid rental properties from the beginning. And financially speaking, I'd be in a much better place financially now than I, than I, if, than starting in 2016. Okay. All right. So focus is, is one of the main things. Yeah. So what is one characteristic you believe every high producing investors should have? I'd say self-awareness and self-clarity. That's, okay. you know, don't do what other people are doing because it looks successful. Know what drives you, what makes you happy and, and do that, work toward that goal. Gotcha. Gotcha. Can you give us a good book recommendation, man? What are you reading? Yeah. So right now, right toward the end of an awesome book, uh, it's called The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. And what I noticed is when you first get into real estate, you're, you're reading all about the tactics of how to do real estate. That's what you need is those tactics. As you progress further, a lot of people start focusing on the strategy of business ownership and the strategy of running a, a real estate business. And that's what this is. Keith has been a real estate investor for a long time. He also owns a bunch of businesses. And the advice in this book is just fantastic for business ownership. So I, I perfect, highly recommend perfect. it. And you know what? You're the second person that recommended that book, oh, really? which I haven't read. So I'm going to add that to my to my reading list, The Road Less Stupid, because I got it yeah. jotted down in my journal just haven't went to uh, Amazon and purchased. Like I had it for a while. Yeah. Before I purchased <laughs> it too. Yeah. All right. So Kirby, how can we get in contact with you, man? People want to know more, more about what you're doing. They want to be affiliated with you. They want to become, you know, pick your brain a little bit. How can we get in contact with you? And then tell us about the awesome podcast you have. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, Love sharing how I'm doing what I'm doing. And so, and I wanted to start a podcast for a long time. Finally did about a year and a half, two years ago, and it's called Living Off Rentals. And so you can check it out. There's a, a YouTube channel too, so you can watch. I do a, a bunch of videos there as well, but that, that's probably the best place, livingoffrentals.com. I'm working on a short-term rental course that, that's going to teach people how to get, how to buy their first short-term rental, set it up and manage it the right way and avoid all the mistakes I made. So that'll be coming out soon. I think there's a informational page at livingoffrentals.com backslash course. So you can check that out too. That's probably the best place. All right. So go to livingoffrentals.com. You can find all of the information that you need to get in contact with Kirby, to listen to his podcast, to find his course, everything like that. So go to livingoffrentals.com. So Kirby, and party, man, any last words that you would like to share with our listeners to inspire them, to encourage them? Because getting started in real estate investing, you know, there's the ups and downs. Maybe you want to do short-term rentals. Maybe you want to do this. Maybe you want to do that. What, what words of encouragement can you give those people that are struggling out of the gate to get started? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's probably tactical, less inspirational, I guess. But if you're, if you're struggling, I would say go back and look at the goal you establish for why you're getting into that. And then look at your, your business plan around that, your numbers and what you're doing. And it will be 
probably pretty revealing to you, like where you've got way too much overhead, where you're spending way too much time on stuff that is not getting you closer to that goal that you established that outcome. So I would say review those things. And I think it will bring a lot to light and, and keep that in the forefront as you're making decisions on a daily basis. All right, guys, you heard it from Kirby at well. Make sure you focus on your goals and look back and remember the reason why you got started and push towards that purpose. So, guys, this is Marcus Maloney here with Kirby Atwell. We want to thank you for being listeners of the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. You know exactly what to do. You got the information. You got the instruction. Now go and put that to action. And remember to always, always, always enjoy the journey. All right, guys, that was Kirby Atwell based out of Northwest Indiana. So some things that I absolutely got from that was, you know, you got to remain focused. You got to stay targeted on what you're doing. So if you're in real estate right now to set yourself up for retirement and things like that, focus on that. Don't get don't get sidetracked by looking at, okay, this is sexy. This is something that I can do. This is something that I want to do. Stay focused on what your goal is. It may be boring. It may be the long track. It may be slow. But remember, you reap from those rewards at the end. So just remember, enjoy the journey. Go through the process. Get to where you need to be. So family, I want to thank you again for being listeners to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. We have some amazing past episodes that you can go back and listen to. So make sure you go back into the archives, listen to those shows. You can always go to MarcusEMaloney.com. That's MarcusEMaloney.com and find the archive episodes. You can go there. You can get free purchase contracts. You can go and get, you know, tons of content that I've been doing and some of the guests speakers have been doing. So go to Marcus E. Maloney. We will love to have you really become a part of the family. If you're listening and you're not a subscriber, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Go to MRCS Maloney. That's youtube.com forward slash MRCS Maloney. You can find me Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, just go to MRCS Maloney. You'll be able to find me and let me know, you know, if you love the content that we're putting out, you know, feel free to give us a five-star review. That's the only way that we know that we're put, putting out the content that you're looking to receive. Again, remember signing off here, guys. Remember to enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.